Hey everybody, I am Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Thanks for joining us again. I know that time is the ultimate unrenewable resource, and I'm so grateful when you spend your time here listening to the podcast. And today I'm so excited to interview and chat with one of my friends, Ashley LaValle. So I've been following her and looking up to her since I was an baby salon owner and she's just a savage. She kills it. Her handle is red hot stylist. She is absolutely amazing. She's from Connecticut like me. And I love to, you know, support and bring Connecticut hair artists into my journey because I am so grateful to be from Connecticut with all these amazing people. We have some killer artists here and Ashley is one of them. So she's the owner of save your scissors salon. She's a coach and she does a lot of stuff with brands as well. Um, but she has so much more to offer than even hair. And I'm just so, so grateful. She made the time for me today. So Ashley, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be doing this first podcast ever. Um, I know, and I'm doing it here. Yay. First of many with you. Yeah. Super excited. I think it's, I think it's really cool what you're doing. I, you know, have known about you forever. I feel like I'm the same way. I just love, I actually found a new artist today that was in Connecticut who's slaying work and I didn't know. And I was, it came up on my like explore page and I was like, Oh, I have to follow her. And I, and she works um, at the network. So I just love to Who find is it? other, hold on. Wait, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the worst. Who Greta? Something. No. Oh no. I know Greta. Love Greta. Um, it is. She oh Jody! Did some, like yes, she just did some like amazing copper, and it was on my feed because I think Leaf and Flower shared it, and I work with them, and she oh. came up, and I was like, yes! I was like, wait a second! In the picture, I'm like, I know that background. I'm like, hold on! I look, and I was like, yes! Connecticut on the map. I love it. Yeah, Jody's so. awesome, and you're like the third person this week to talk to me about Leaf and Flower. I gotta reach out to them. Anyways, yeah, that's awesome. Jody's amazing, and yes. I'm. But super that, but glad. the same. I just wanna be. Like I want to support the other local artists. I feel like our industry used to be so catty and like nasty and it really is up to us. Like, you know, whatever you want to call it, influencers, coaches, like, whatever, tell you want to give it. Yeah. I like role, role models. models. I like literally God, crossed scary. out influencer from my life. I'm like, I'm a role model bitches. Yeah. I'm a role model. Thanks. <laughs> but I feel like it's our job to kind of sway the industry in another way. Um, and when I started getting like heavy into barbering years ago, I saw how catty the hair world really is because barbering ready, spoiler alert is not like that at all, like at all. And I was working barbering events and like cutting at them and doing stuff. And I was like, oh my God, these people are like so nice and they genuinely treat you like family and they support you and they have questions and they're like amazing. And I'm like hair, like, hey, well, I guess hair the cosmos hide needs to like go to some barbering events and take fucking notes literally they were just killing it and i think it's definitely a huge kind of responsibility of us to kind of like you're doing elevate and change the industry in a positive way to remove the negativity and like the stigmas like if you don't have anything nice to say sit the fuck down absolutely i love it positive like positive um 
critiques or criticism, like don't knock somebody's work or the way they're doing something unless you're showing up with a solution or a way for them to better themselves. Like just don't. Totally. So I think I'm I'm here for it. So yeah, I'm always excited to hang out with someone else from Connecticut since we're so underrated here. I know. Well, I love that. And you know, to go to what you said, even like the stylist supporting stylist movement, that was hundred like percent. And I feel like now, you know, stylists are less catty now. And I feel like now that we're leveling up and have more opportunities opportunities in the industry, I feel like that cattiness comes from the scarcity mindset of like, you know, hundred oh, percent. You know, my client went to this person and fuck that stylist. And it's just yeah. like oh, it's not the stylist's yeah. fault that you need to elevate yeah. your guest experience. Sorry. Yep. Amen. You know? Amen. I also and think it's another like this is the whole COVID pandemic has been extremely humbling for our industry as a whole, like hundred percent. Maybe the person that you hated on before COVID now has become a coach and they have great ideas to help you elevate yourself. Maybe, you know, you had hated on somebody and you were like talking shit or whatever the case may be, somebody that you were jealous of and now their salon is killing it and you had to close yours. Like that, you know what I mean? You have to really check yourself. And I think that, it put a lot of things in it. Like, although 2020 was a total like cluster of dumpster fire hell, I honestly feel like it now that we're on the other side of it, it puts so much into perspective, at least for me, I know I can say that it puts so much into perspective and especially within our industry and outside of it for a lot of people that I'm hoping that there's a lot of change that comes out of it. And I can really see that coming, especially with everything going more digital now. Like I'm so here for that. Yes, I miss trade shows. Yes, I miss all my friends, but I think how quickly the industry was able to like digitalize everything and still feed our like hungry, creative, always wanting to learn brains is phenomenal. So I just, I think it's, it's so good. It's so much, it's getting better. So I've, I've hope. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID was absolutely awful, but our industry did come out like we grew 10 years and oh 100 it's insane uh -huh. and you know it's a gift i mean i'm finally getting back on my feet here and um i just got around to ppp and i'm just like well okay now i can pay my taxes that's gonna be great um yeah I'm so happy yeah. that like that happened but now i'm kind of feeling like i'm turning a corner but one of the biggest projects i had was getting my online business situated because my online yeah. business was my side hustle Right. And then it became my full-time job and it was just mm -hmm. like, whoa, okay. Like now we have to pivot, but you know, it was just uh, really intense. But now that I look at it, now I have my brick and mortar, I have my online business and I have all the exactly. things I was doing. It was kind of on pause almost so I could focus. And, you know, I was complaining a lot in the beginning. Like I was so like, why me? This is bullshit. Like kind of like pretending like the whole world revolved around me and my, and my own privacy in my home. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. Oh yeah. To your dog. Yeah. I think a lot of us kind of had that moment. I think, oh yeah. I, I it was hard. I think for me, my most, like, I was kind of like, wait, what? I'm such a control freak. Like, how dare you just rip something away from me with no notice? I think there was a huge grieving process in the beginning for me where I was like, I am not a sit still person at all. I am yeah. dangerously caffeinated running on level 15 all day long. So for me to sit still, I'm like, my butt hurts. I'm sitting like, what's going on? I don't want to watch anything on Netflix. I want to go to work. I need to talk to somebody. Like I need a human. I need to do hair. So I think it was super hard and there was definitely like a grieving process of my old salon life in the beginning. And then I literally had like woke up one day, like a couple weeks in and was like, you know what? Like, screw this. 
I always am complaining about how there's not enough hours in the day and I don't have enough time. Right now, I have nothing but time. So I literally like made a game plan for what my business is going to do when we get back, how to handle the clients now. I was sending out emails. I had redid our entire website. I had switched software systems, something I wanted to do for so long, but I can't afford the downtime. Like I can't afford that weird week of like, oh, that person's info's not in there. This is so that was the best thing I could have done. Um, What'd you switch you know, to? We just, um, we're using Boulevard right now. I'm literally obsessed with it. Oh my God. It is the greatest. I, I was, I had tried like Millennium or Mevo. I had yep. tried Salon Iris. I have Booksies, like all that stuff. And we, I had used Salon Transcript, STX, which is Mac based. Cause yep. I'm like a Mac nerd. So we have all Macintosh um, for the longest time. And because it was the only Mac based software. And then I started researching Boulevard like first week of COVID. Cause of course I'm like, you know, sitting with my phone like this on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this is, this is crazy. And I, it was because what we were missing was like, I am such a like business mindseted. Like I want to know how much this is and what this costs. And I love numbers. I love all that nerdy aspect of things. It's just so interesting to me where I'm like, okay, so let's set this goal and this equals this and this equals this. That's five more of these. And I like to see the progression and the progress of I love that too. most of and what we're selling the most of. There's something about that that really enables me and helps me to guide and push and uplift my team in the right direction. So I wasn't able to do a lot of that with SGX. And when I was, it was more work for me. It was like I was printing out something and then adding it up by hand and crossing things off. And so the amount of stuff that Boulevard has is just insane. We never had online booking before. I was totally scared of it. It was not something that I wanted because I don't want it. Like, I didn't want to do it. Like, I was just like, no, absolutely not. I no way. And it was one of those things that I was scared of, which is everyone's always like, what? Um, my schedule is very difficult to get into as a client. I refuse to close my books because I'm just hardheaded and I don't want to do it. But like, I, I was like, well, I'm going to lose a client. I'd rather have one of them call and then me be like, yeah, hold on. And then bend over backwards, trying to find a way to fit them in within the next month when there's no really time, but I'm extending my hours. And like, it was this circle of just like spiraling the burning out. It gives like, you a boundary. Section. Exactly. So now, but I mean, now book online and it literally is our pricing is very transparent it shows you what you're getting it shows you who you're getting it with but i we need i wanted a website where you could literally look at everybody's work you could look at everybody's instagrams and then you could go oh i want to book you click book now a widget pops up from the side of the web page so you can still like as you're looking for the person's name i would forget i'd be like oh i want to go see cheryl and then i'd be like wait who, which one is that like i need to be able to see it's like more intuitive, yeah. And see the thing. Yeah, so it's a lot more user-friendly. I mean, if you're a user like me. <laughs> and a client-facing platform like that. So now they can book online, which I was super scared of. But I think for me, I still get a lot of people that will call and kind of go, hey, so I tried to book online and it didn't work. And, you know, we're like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, it said she didn't have anything open until, you know, end of May, like beginning of June. Like, is that a thing? Or... So, but that's because I didn't have it for so long, but I was scared that I was going to not get new clients because it said how far I was booked out. And that's really not the case at all. If anything, they join the wait list, they go see one of my staff while they're waiting. So it was, 
something that I was scared of for like the stupidest reason. And now with Boulevard, we have that. Um, it integrates with so many amazing things. We signed up for Vish and now we have the Vish system, which is another amazing thing. So that was a COVID like amazing thing where it literally weighs the color and it's oh, nice. No, but it's not just like a scale that weighs it. It's like connected to an iPad. Let's say they're like a five N and a a six N and like a seven G or something like some where where the formulas where it's like a fraction of this, a quarter of this, whatever. So you you would put that in their file, and then when you go to like let's say you mixed too much and you had leftover like waste, which always happens most of the time. Um, when you when she were to come in next time, you know you had waste, but you're not going to look and actually cut that fraction into a 16th or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, but you're not doing that in a salon when you're busy. The Vish does that for you. You reweigh the bowl after. It knows exactly how much color to be done and it will, like, how much you used. So next time she comes in, it will change the formula to be exactly what you need. It's unbelievable. That's really awesome. That adds up over time. It adds up. Yeah. Especially now, oh, totally. Are you a commission salon owner? Yeah, we're a commission salon. Awesome. So, okay, let's go back. Tell me, tell me, Ashley, like how you got into the industry. Like, let's start there. And I want to talk about your salon because your salon's gorgeous. And it's amazing. And I would love to talk about that. And then what you're doing now, like, give me a little life story. Okay. So, um, and this is so funny because I just uploaded literally this exact story onto YouTube because I feel like every time I tell a client or like a, peer in the industry this they're like wait what that's crazy I had no idea so I think I don't really know when hair became like my thing it was always something that I kind of did it was always like for fun like all my Barbies had bobs you can go back as far as you want to yeah like you don't have to start just at hair okay all the pictures of me as a little kid I have like a doll and a brush in my hand like there's always something um, I have little sisters that of course always had horrible haircuts thanks to me finding like kitchen scissors as a toddler. Um, but I think it was just something that I did for fun. Like I liked it. I thought it was cool. My cabbage patch kids, remember the ones that had like the yarn hair, I would braid them all and give them like a full head of braids because you could. And I think then I found Sally's when I was like, you know, in high school and was like, hell yeah, I can buy all this stuff. Let me fuck some shit up. And I literally would just buy it. There was no YouTube then, you know? So I would just buy things. And I remember thinking the girls that worked at Sally's were so cool uh, because they like new stuff, which now I realize that they don't. Um, and I would just like mess with things. I remember highlight buying a plastic throwaway cap highlight thing and the the uh the needle or whatever crochet hook and doing my friend's hair at a sleepover and then putting like like pulling hair through a cab and her like complaining that it hurts so bad like we had no idea what we were doing and I was like now we're supposed to smear some stuff on and just see what it does and so we were like playing with all this stuff and it was fun but it became kind of like like a hobby like that's what you did at sleepovers or that's what you did you know my sister's friends wanted their hair curled for the eighth grade dance and you know, I can totally I relate just, to that. My friends yeah. and I would go to Sally's and we, oh. like, I, I totally can relate to like every word you just said. And they would give you like this advice of like, oh my God, this is what you do. Use X, Y, and Z. And my friends and I would do our own hair. And then we were obsessed with extensions. I graduated oh, yeah. in 2009. Same. So we were obsessed with extensions and we would go to the hood of Waterbury 
to um yep. you know on bank street where yes. yeah yeah i so, know exactly what you're talking about and I this can't. girl cynthia did my cornrow weave and i loved it really felt like so hot you were like i am yes. christina aguilera in the dirty video right now this right now me. yes so right now i yes. can totally relate so sally's like doing yep. that as a hobby like i yeah. never knew i was gonna do hair until no i graduated school okay keep going sorry <laughs> i just know you're good i just thought that's what girls did like i was like oh it's girls they're having a party let's like paint our nails and do this you know like that's just what we did and um so i kind of just did it like for fun forever but I remember when I was like, well, let me just backtrack. When I was 14 and like, you know, it's eighth grade and where I went, there was a trade school in the same town as where I went to high school or middle school, high school, whatever. And they like did like a career fair and they came in and like told you all the cool stuff that you could do. And of course I was like, I want to be an automotive technician. Like, hell yeah, that's cool. Um, but, you know, I was no that's not happening so i like like my longer nails too much so that wasn't gonna work and i remember being like wait a second hold up i hate school like hate it not my thing refuse to do homework sorry not doing it i was always super creative and i was like wait so you're telling me that i can go to high school and hair school same time four years I'm good, I have both licenses. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 I'm not buying this. Like there's a catch somewhere. So I don't have to do that. And I remember coming home and telling my mom how excited I was about it. And I was like, ma, I, this is crazy, da, da, da. And she, they were not really too keen on it, but they were like, I mean, we could look into it. And it came down to the consensus that like my parents were kind of like, well, you know, we don't really think that like, you're gonna know how you could possibly know what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're 14. Like, and now looking back on it like as an adult-ish person i get it because as a 14 year old kid like if a 14 year old kid came into me and was like i want to be a rocket scientist i'd be like yeah all right john take a seat like there's no way but I, I, now i'm also like damn it i could have been like so much farther along by now but it's okay um it all happened you know universe blah 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 the way it's supposed to so i didn't go to hair school i did not go to a trade school i went to a regular high school hated it um, still did hair on the, as a side, you know, gig for fun. And then when I graduated, my parents were like, well, you got to go to school. We don't care what kind of school, but you got to go to school. You know, another major eye roll. Here we go. And I was like, well, I want to go to hair school, but they already said like negative to that. Um, and I remember kind of gradually bringing it up again, like to see. And I was literally told like, oh, well, why would you want to be a poor starving artist and so when you're a teenager and like your family tells you that or like anybody that you look up to in your family says that although i was kind of like i wouldn't be and like rolled my eyes that cut like hella deep and i was like okay like i don't want to do that then like and i kind of backburnered the whole hair situation and started doing it still like for fun it was never something that i stopped doing um can we pause that and really then, quick? Because the whole mindset of like our families not supporting what we do because they think that we're not going to make money. I can't even tell you how much that motivates like my whole fucking mission of just being yes. like, yep. I make fucking bread, mom and dad. Yeah. Like, yeah. get out. Like, it's so yeah. insulting that people don't Same. think hairdressing Same. is uh, like 
a, a lucrative, lucrative career. career. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jinx, buy me some Coke. No, I'm yep. just kidding. I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like saying that though, because it's from no, the office. Same. I get it. It's the same like situation. Yeah. hundred percent. It was, so I was kind of told that and it was deflating. Like I was like, all right, cool. And to be an asshole, because I was mad about the fact that I was told that, oh, I'm going to be a poor service artist. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I got to go to school. I'm going to go to bartending school. <laughs> I did so too. That's a school, right? Ha ha, it's a school. So I went to bartending school in Norwalk at 18, because back then, if you wanted to bartend at 18, you had to have that stupid little I, I went mixologist too. piece of paper. Yep. So I went. Oh my God. Twins. I went did it and then I bartended at like nightclubs and sports bars and stuff and I um wanted to be a zoologist of sorts or an animal handler so I just cool. listen I should have been in the circus so it's like I wanted to be that person that was at the zoo and like you had like one cheetah or like otter or like penguin that was like your dude and like you had you raised it from a baby and like you were it's human like it knew you it wouldn't maul you or attack you like you took care of it so i really wanted to do that i thought that would be like the coolest thing ever so i started in high school one of my like jobs i worked at a vet's office as like a receptionist i was in the kennel then i was in the receptionist then i worked my way up to a better vet's office i was a receptionist there i would assist in the back a little bit so i was like all right i'm making moves and i wanted to you, I learned a lot about the veterinary medicine field by working the front desk because you're like the brain of the operation where you're like, okay, this is not an emergency. Like you have to answer people's questions on the phone. So you're like practically like a nurse because you know all this stuff for animals. So then I was like, okay, I really want to, at this point, I'm, I'm in like my, um, maybe I'm 20, 21, 20 or 21. So I wanted to like keep going. So I'm like, all right, I want to become a vet tech, which is like, an actual like animal nurse. And I was like, I want to be a vet tech. So I have to like transition into that. And the place I was working, the guy would not, he was like, didn't, I was so such an asset in the front of the business. He didn't want me to move to the back. And I'm like, okay, great. It's almost like a curse of, and you hear, I hear this all the time when you're too good at your job and they don't let you move up. Like, okay. So I'm too good of a human to like start sucking at my job. So instead I was like, all right, well, how can I train them? Like, I want to be trained. Can I just like observe in the back? Like, what can I do? And he's like, well, if you really want to, you can come in on your days off. I'm not paying you and you can observe. And I was like, fine, done. So I came in on my days off and you know, this one guy I was really good friends with, his wife was a doctor there. I literally followed him around like white on rice. And he was like, look, I don't know if he's ever going to let you do this, but I'm just going to teach you everything that I know. And I was like, yes, yes. So sponged it up on my days off, loved it. But the adverse effect was it made me super upset with the front. And I was miserable. I was in a really bad place in my life outside of work. I was like struggling with mental health issues, struggling with suicidal thoughts. Like it was, I was in such a bad place. I was just not on a good path of life at all. And then this whole job thing, then he told me that I couldn't, he'd really like appreciated me coming into my days off, but he, they just don't need any help right now. And then the straw for me was he then put in, um, he hired somebody else for the back instead of me. And I was like, dude, what? So I had started looking elsewhere, even though I'd worked this place for so long and I really loved some of the people there, it was just super stressful. So if you're not in a good place mentally, it just made it worse. And I was suffering from like really bad migraines, which just makes it even worse. I was on antidepressant medication that was making me spiral worse. It was just not a good time. And I ended up interviewing at this place 
that did exotic animals. So like if you had a pet monkey, you took it there. Like all over the state of Connecticut, it was the top exotic vet, probably still is in Connecticut. So Where like it? it's in South Wilton. Where the hell is that? I know. So like, like so kind of by Norwalk. Oh, so you're so far from me. You're like an hour from me. Five minutes or an hour from you. 45 yeah. minutes, yeah. So like I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go. And it was like an hour drive from where I lived at the time. And I went and I remember I literally felt like I walked into fucking Dr. Doolittle's house walking into this place. There was like three crazy parrots in the lobby, a lady walking out with a monkey on her shoulder. I literally walked in there and was like, I've arrived. This is it. This is the best place ever. They had just finished putting trackers in all the rattlesnakes. Like they had trapped rattlesnakes from the state of Connecticut, the, the, like the DODP, whatever people bring them there. And they would, you know, put them to, not to sleep, you can't say that, uh, put them under and give them trackers so they could track their patterns and where they live. Like, it, unbelievable. If you had a, a pet tarantula and it needed like a broken leg fixed, that's where you were bringing it. Like, so they had- I didn't even know that exists in Connecticut. Yeah, it's crazy. They have a, um, a Savannah cat, those like giant, like bobcat looking cats you can have in your house. They had one that lived in the vet's office. And I was like, can I take this home? Like, this is the, like I was playing. So I literally, it was probably the best day ever. So I had interviewed there, saw these things. And then they were like, we love you. We'd love to have you come back and spend a day here being a vet tech and see if you like it. And I was like, oh my God, I would love that. It was amazing. Now, mind you, I'd never actually been a vet tech. I just was trained by somebody kind of how to do it. So I was like, I can do this. Like, I'll figure it out. They'll just join me, like whatever. So I went and spent the entire day there. The people were phenomenal. The animals that I were it was able to see that day and the work that they did there was unbelievable. And I was like, this is great because this is very close to Bridgeport where the Beardsley Zoo is. So I'm sure they work hand in hand. Maybe I can use this as a springboard to get into the zoo and be the, you know, have my like tiger cub or whatever animal I'm gonna get to like be the handler for. So I went there and I was like, yes, this is it. I was so hyped. Um, and then I didn't hear anything from them for like two to three weeks. I had sent an email and I was just like, okay, I didn't hear anything. Like, I don't know what, after seeing, like after going there for the day, I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was at such a defeated, sad, like it was just, I had something had to give it. Was, I was in a bad place. And I remember having a conversation with my mom and being like, I don't know what to do, but like, I got to do something. And I don't like, I, there's no other vet I want to work at. Now that I've just been to the holy grail of exotic vets, like any, any other one is going to be garbage. Like, what do I do? And I was like, and mind you this entire time, I was still doing hair on the side. I was doing hair for like photographer friends in the city, like hair and makeup, editorial stuff. I had like made a lot of friends in hardcore music. So like I would do a lot of different stuff like there was a gray, there is a gray area or there was a gray area with licensing that like, if you were just good and new people, you could just get in and do it. So I was doing hair and makeup for like photographers for um, content, not, well, back then it was a portfolio, it wasn't content, but for the equivalent of content now. And I was kind of always just doing it because it was my outlet. It was what took me out of my negative thinking head at the time and made me kind of creative. Like I got high off of making other people happy. Like that was my thing. That or taking care of an animal was my like, okay, this is how I fill my happy cup, if you will. So I hadn't heard anything and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? And I was like, 
maybe I'll just go to hair school. And my mom was like, I mean, if that's what you want to do, like do it. I was like, well, what I really want to do is go work at this vet with the fucking monkeys. But I haven't heard anything. I don't want to be annoying. I was like, maybe I'll just go tour the school again. Cause I had done it before and just didn't have the money. Um, and Where I had my, I went to, at the time it was called Ricky's, oh, which nice. was a private school in Newtown. Now it's Tony and Guy. I lived right down the road from a Paul Mitchell school, but I didn't want to go to a Paul Mitchell school. I wanted to go to a school where they would teach me like when Ricky's was Ricky's before it was Tony and Guy, I literally left there with like eight different color certifications. Like you oh, knew nice. you were so versatile when you left. It wasn't just one way of doing things. Um, so I was like, well, I mean, let's just go look at it. Like, you know, whatever. Um, and I looked at it and I made my mom come with me because of course I was like, what am I like, I, this is a major life decision. Not to mention like I spent my entire life savings at 22 years old on hair school. Like I had like $80 in my bank account. Like that was it. The end. Like there was no, that was it. And nobody was going to pay for it. Like my parents weren't going to pay for it. Like I'm a 22 year old kid. I'm, you know, they're not going to do that. So I literally wrote a check from my personal account for hair school and was like, huh, and you know, watched it leave my bank account and was like, okay, this is it. And you know, my mom was super supportive, always has been, was like, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited for you. Like, let's get it. And I mean, she obviously didn't say that, but she was like, this is going to be great. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember being so nervous and she had just I was like well what am I gonna do because hair school's nine to five Tuesday through Saturday and if I'm doing this and I just spent all the money on it like I'm doing it I need to go and like go like I'm not gonna be hungover or tired from work or anything like that like I'm gonna give it like 110 so I put in my two weeks at the vet's office and was starting school in like a month so it gave me like another two weeks to kind of just like mentally reset um and were they I was upset hoping, like how like they just the vet like, no they were like they knew I was mentally really struggling um like mental health wise in a really bad place they were I was very close with them so they well two of the women that worked there so they were very supportive like they there were days where I was like I need to go see my therapist now like I can't stay here like it was bad um and so it I'm mad at them for not letting you rise up in there, but you wouldn't be where you are today. So no, I'm not, exactly. Like, no, no, I'm totally fine with them not because I, yeah, no, it's fine. It's better off. But um, I'm mad <laughs> I'm just, at South Wilton. But I'm me, just mad at I'll that guy. That. Yeah, you're like, I hate that guy. But let me get, let me get back to the, so I sign up for this stuff and I'm like, okay, so my mother had just purchased a condo as like an investment property. And she's like, look, here's the deal. I'll sign a five-year contract with you. You can live here for five years. I like, I think I paid, I didn't pay her very much, but it was like a couple, like, I think it was like five or $800 a month so that I could bartend, pay my bills and like be okay and be able to focus on school and not work, like leave school, go right to work and not be able to work a job. Like I wanted to be an apprentice or an assistant and most assistant jobs back then didn't pay you. Like you were just there. And, um, so I was like, okay, cool. Say so, that again. Say that again. Most assistant jobs back then didn't pay you. I had a microphone to yell into. Most, if not all, assistant jobs did not pay you when I was coming up. I heard you. All. I just want you to say it a little bit louder for at people. All. For the people in the back. Most assistant jobs don't pay you. You do not come out of school. 
celebrity hairdresser, okay? <laughs> you don't. I can't well, tell you. Well, sometimes you, you like, have to work for free. I worked a lot for free. Yeah, 100%. A lot. I worked multiple jobs just for the experience, just to be in the damn salon, just to watch somebody. And I wasn't watching on my phone. I wasn't TikToking at work. I was, you know, up someone's ass asking a million questions. Can I take that bowl? Do you need me to hold bowls for you? Can I stand here? Can I get your client coffee? Like I was like a psycho. It's, it reminds me of like don't mess with the Zohan when he was literally like, one he hair hits under and he uses with my teeth yeah. and he like catches the hair before it even hits the ground. I have I we have a barber friend who's kind of like that now. God bless him. He's the greatest of all time. I will stand up from my chair and he's like already behind me with a broom and I'm like oh hey hi <laughs> it's great, um, but. So I had done this thing. I'm super nervous. There's this huge thing. Literally 24 to 48 hours after my bank account drained to nothing, I got a phone call. A very apologetic woman on the other end of the phone is, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Thought they sent the email. It went to the wrong person. It's South Wilton Vet. They're calling me, offering me the job of my fucking dreams. We would love it if you could start immediately. I'm so sorry I was on vacation. I had sent an email. It apparently didn't go through. So I'm calling you because I was worried because I knew you were really excited. Like we'd love to offer you the job. Talk about mental instability. I almost lost it. I was like, huh? Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, okay, thank you so much. Talk about having back two paths. Uh, I was like, I'll have to call you back. And I literally hung up and I called my mom and I was hysterical. And I'm like, mom, what am I supposed to do? And she literally is the most, she's literally the greatest human of all time. Calmly just said, well, you've chosen your path and you need to follow it through. And I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? Here we go. And I called her back and I said, look, unfortunately, although I would love the position, like I'm going this way. And she said, well, if you ever change your mind, the door's always open. That's great. Um, which of course during COVID, I was like, well, uh, is this where I go back to bed or what's up? But so I remember, I, you want to talk about already being nervous about school and going and being like the older kid in school. Cause everybody was going right out of high school. And here I am like, I'm not a full grown adult, but like, you know, a quarter grown adult going, <laughs> going to school. Like I paid for it. Most of the kids in school next to me, like their parents are paying for it. And they were like, you know, not paying attention in theory and didn't give a shit. And there were times where they hated me because I was like, look, Susan, shit, sit down, shut up. I want to listen. I need to be here because I paid for this. If you don't want to pay attention in school, get out. Like literally people would show up late and Period. I was like mind blown, mind blown. I was like, what? You're showing up late? I'm like, you have to clock in. This is an hour based program. I'm in here early trying to clock in early and stay as late as I can. Like what? So I was already super nervous about it. The South Wilton thing made it really hard. And like hair school is not easy. Like it is more of like a, it's just hard. And back then like people were mean and like it was catty. And I was like, this is like my worst nightmare. It's like the high school field hockey team. High school or hair school? Hair school. I don't even know. (laughs) I graduated in 09. So you must have graduated in 06, 05? I got, oh, I got to do, I would have to like, math is not my thing. So, um, hold on. It's 06. Tw- whoa. It's 2021. And you were doing it 15 years. It was either 06 or 07. I graduated in 09 and it was hard. Hair school's hard. Like, 
and just the girls were mean and nobody liked me and I don't, whatever. It was fine. Um, it was not fine, but I'm going to pretend it's fine. Everything's fine. As I'm, I'm virtually sitting in the hugging fire, you. I'm like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. So I think it was, it was hard. And I remember, you know, but I was like, you know what? This is just what I want to do. And I loved it. And I think for me, I needed to push myself to do that. I think I struggled a lot with a ton of other outside things throughout hair school, but I think it was my first week in hair school. And when, I think that's like when it's still cute and like, you know, shit doesn't hit the fan there yet and people don't hate you yet. And you're still like the new kid where you're like, look at my book and you're excited about all your clips that are not broken yet. And like all your combs and you know, <laughs> you're like, your kit's organized and you know, it's, it's you're still new about it. Like when you get that new like binder in high school, it was nice for like five minutes before you doodled on it. This was that five minutes. And I remember going home and I always wanted to get my the tops of my hands tattooed. Like it was, I was just like, oh, it's so great. And if we want to wearing long sleeves, I'll still look cool. You've got great tattoos. Thank you. And um, I was like, I just really want to do the tops of my hands. And I remember being younger and saying that. And my mother was like, listen, you need to wait until you have a career to tattoo like when you know what you're doing for the rest of your life and that it's going to be appropriate then you can do the tops of your hands if you really want to probably not what she really wanted to hear wanted to say but that's what she said so literally sign up for hair school i was like ha now i can get the tops of my hands done it's totally appropriate and my mother was like okay reel it in a little bit just wait like and then she said what she had told me that when i graduated hair school she would pay for me to get my hands tattooed which is like insane. And I was like, wow, mom, okay. My mother is the sweetest, tiniest, preppiest, like oozes the word Connecticut in every way you could possibly imagine. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like she's the best, but she's very proper. So the fact that she <laughs> said that, I was like, okay. All bullshit on that, but let's go. So, and, and I was always very good at being like, I don't want to, not manipulative, because that's not it at all. I'm not that at all. But I was like, logical there we go so i was like okay mom i was a weekend i'm like listen to me i'm not allowed to touch a client for 250 hours so or 200 hours or whatever it was i was like so my hands are gonna get wet when i get out cool. i'm gonna need to give it 110 percent. i'm gonna be someone's bitch. i'm gonna be shampooing everybody i'm not gonna be able to heal my tattoos on my hands therefore it's gonna be a waste of money because they're gonna go to shit and they're not gonna heal properly and like that's my hand like I shake someone's hand, they're gonna see it. And she was like, wow, I guess you're right. So I was like selling it to her. I'm like, so like, I should do it right now. Okay, I think you should. And I'm like, you're still gonna pay for it? She's like, sure. So I literally got my hand tattooed a week into hair school. And I brought, because I was like so high on life that this is what I was finally able to do after wanting to do it since I was like a child. I brought the pair of crappy Crappy's not even the best word to describe it. Like you could buy a better pair off Amazon or like at a gas station. Scissors that came in my kit. with like the gold screw in like finger pinky wraps, like the literal worst. I brought them like no name brand. Like I don't even know where they came from. They're mannequin shears. I'm surprised I didn't have black plastic handles. I brought them <laughs> and a straight and the, a straight blade that I had to my tattooer and was like, I want this. I was like, I want the scissors on my right hand because that's the hand I'll be using to use them. And I want a straight razor on the top of my left hand because that would be my stretching hand that I would use to stretch the skin to then straight razor. And he's like, 
okay, sure. And my mom's like, you're sure you're gonna do this forever? And I was like, yeah, and if I don't, it still looks cool, so it's fine. And that was literally like, they're still, that's what's literally on my hands. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah. A rust, a rusty, horrible looking pair of like, there's the gold and the gold finger rest is right there, like on me. <laughs> Girl, look at this tattoo. Hold on. I got this tattoo when I was in hair school, right I when I got I'm into so hair school. I can't. And it's, it's really bad. I hope it's, it's an infinity symbol on a pair of scissors. Never. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, no, nothing against anyone with an infinity symbol and a pair of scissors, but they're great. They're great. literally, um, I got this tattoo from this guy for free and he was doing Those it and the, the, the ink was like rejecting from my arm. Nice. So nice. we had to stop and I had to go get it fixed. Okay. So th look how bad it is. Hold on. Yes. Gina's jail tats. Here we go. Wait. Look oh, wow. Yeah, that's um, that's dark. <laughs> it's like black. It, he fixed it. The guy at the beauty mark, he fixed it to it being like yeah. okay, but it was so. I don't think the guy could draw scissors at all. He couldn't even draw. I don't know why he was tattooed. Oh, I believe me, I've got some real gems of some tattoos of my yeah. friends that have done that. I'm like, wow. And now I'm so jealous. Like my husband's getting like more newer tattoos now, like he waited to get heavily tattooed and now he's like got his whole arm and I look at it all the time and I'm like, I don't even like you. Like, look at your arm. You're, it's so much better than everything on my entire body because <laughs> tattooing from when I was getting heavily tattooed to now, of just like hair, like the tools are better. The machines are better. The ink is better. Like everything is better now that I'm like, yo, can I grow a new arm? Like maybe I should gain 300 pounds while I get more real estate. Like what's up? Like, what do I do? Because uh, I'm like, I, I can't like, you know, my left arm was done when I was like 20. Well, I think so, like, your tattoos look dope and you can't even thanks. tell what they are because there's so many of them. So it, it yeah, just... it must be a bad connection. It's good. It just looks like a messy, like, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's just like, like, cause I'm so far away. But when I look at you, I just see like dope tattoos. Like, oh, she's cool. Yeah, there's <laughs> just a bunch of them. That's it. And people are always it. like, how many? I'm like, I just have one. It's just really big. Just one. I love that. Really big one. Um, yeah, I love it. I, okay, yeah, so no, you I, got your tattoos in hair school. My mom into getting my, well, yeah, scam my mom into getting my hands tattooed. Um, yeah. And then I graduated hair school and worked for free for somebody. I worked at a salon where I had no clients because I had none. Well, I worked at the school. They had like a salon there. Uh, and they hired like the top two people of the class to work there, like at the high end salon upstairs. Fun fact, they made me, um, put in gauges because I had gauged ears at the time that you could not see through. So they were less crazy and I had to wear long sleeves when I went into the big like higher end salon um like snooty higher end salon and I was like okay cool so I did and then I worked in like an, an you know the intermediate part between like the high end salon and the other one and I worked there for a little while and then I twisted my ankle like almost broke it maybe I did break it I, don't know. I had a boot on my foot and I was like okay my doctor told me that like I can't no prolonged standing and like this is what I do for work so like I went and I remember telling the boss, like, hey, like the owner, I was like, hey, like, I, I, he's like, oh my God, what did you do? I was like, there was ice. My, I was wearing those stupid clog things, my foot, you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, well, I was like, my doctor said no prolonged standing or I'm going to do permanent damage. And I'm like, I have a career where I stand for a living. So like, I can't do that. The cutting stools were not a thing back then. So I'm like, uh, and he basically was like, okay, so I'll see you tomorrow. He didn't give a shit at all. And I was like, okay. And our shampoo sinks for that area were downstairs. 
So I'm like cutting people's hair, limping over with my fucking cane in my boot to the top of the stairs, yelling down, hoping that a student will see me to wash my client. Like not the client experience that they I should be delivering at all. So that happened for like a week. And then I was like, I can't work here. Like if he doesn't give a shit about me as an employee right now, in this like factory of a salon where there were so many people and they were much more quantity over quality. Um, and I was the opposite. So I was like, I, this is not for me. So at that point I just wanted to work somewhere cool because I was working somewhere not cool. So I was like, I need to find a tattoo, tattooed hairdresser and I just I'll work for her. I don't care who it is, anybody who's like a little edgy. So I well, had we have that who, in common too, that yeah. I had a broken foot and I have like pretty much permanent damage because I wouldn't oh God, take I time. Oh no, I, t I, I wasn't I'm glad time. that you did. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you did because like some people would listen and stay. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you didn't it's, like, you know what? It's, it would, it's really hard. I think if it happened to me now, I probably would stay, but it's one of those things where we literally like people don't understand unless they're in this industry. Like we have the heart of a servant, like. I don't even know how to say it any other way than that, but it's like, I will put my business and my clients and my staff over everything, sometimes to a fault where it is like a bad thing. Like I literally cut off my knuckle maybe a month ago, like bad. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I've been doing this for so long. And I literally just like, like if you can squeeze the skin on the top of your finger, like off, like just missed the tendon. I was like, uh, like mid haircut on a Saturday when we're slammed. And I went and had to like, oh, of course my alarm's gonna go off. And I went and, you know, excuse me one second, you know, run to the back room. I'm like tourniqueting my finger. We're dumping super glue on it, like whatever. I'm like, I need to get stitches like now. Like this is like the meat of my, like there's a white tendon. Like this is bad. Oh my and, God. But I was like, I, you know, my staff's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I like put a tourniquet on my base of my finger, got it to stop bleeding. We put a bunch of band-aids on. I thank God that my next client was a nurse. She was like, here, put a popsicle stick. Like we had wax sticks. So I made like a fake like um, splint, wrapped it up, went back to my client with a glove on. was like, sorry, no problem. She's like, it's fine girl, you're running a business. Finished her haircut. That was at two o'clock. I didn't go to the ER until almost eight o'clock that night. Like, and my mother and my husband were like, what is wrong with you? Like, you can't do that. I was like, listen, if I needed to be taken on an ambulance, I would have left. But otherwise, like, I need to stand here. Like, this is what I, this is what I have to do. So it's very hard to explain that to the people that don't get it. But it's like, it, you just, it's what you got to do. Like, if I it's was having really a heart hard. attack, I would have left. But other than that, like, I'm not yeah. leaving. <laughs> it's really hard. So it's, it's hard to it's cancel so a client hard. and put yourself before. I understand. You know, it's yeah, hard to it's, put yourself first. It's so bad. It yeah, and it's because we literally that we care about it. So I found an edgy hairdresser and went and worked for her. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I went and worked for her, and I you know made no money because it was commission only. There was no hourly. Like it, that was it. It was commission, and I would just sit there and watch and learn and get her clients coffee, and I you know hand her hand her stuff and clean the salon and walk the dogs and like walk the streets offer free haircuts offer discount like whatever um and i did that for four maybe four or five years um and i would help with the business aspect of things because i thought it was cool and i was like oh how can i help like let me how can i help i, I just felt like i needed to pull my weight somehow even if i wasn't bringing in any money or costing or anything because i was just you know whatever 
um, commission only. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll, you know, I would help her with petty cash and I would help her with the end of the day stuff and balancing this and putting this together and organizing this. I'm like, I would do that kind of stuff. So it was essentially like being a manager without getting compensated for it. Um, but I just needed to do something. I didn't care. I could only like front face and dust every product on the shelf and mop the salon like so many times in a week. So I kept myself busy and did that. And, um, I, it's like, I saw that this, the, I saw, I want, I was, I'm very observant and I can read the room really well. And I saw that, I mean, we were all friends, the three of us that worked there, but I saw that her customer service skills were, something was going on, like something, something was going on. Like, I was like, uh, what? Like, I would be like, oh, okay. When would you like to rebook? Like, can I put them there? And I'd look up and she'd be like glued to her phone. I was like, there's a client, right? What? So it was not how she had taught me to taught, not me taught me to be, but told me to be when being there. And it's not how I would have wanted to be treated or would have treated a client. So I was like, something was off and I was worried. And, um, <clears throat> you know, cause I needed the salon to be busy. I had a couple clients a week, but I wasn't at all fully booked. I had enough to get by and um, I was started to have good weeks. I mean, by good weeks, I mean like maybe I was taking home 500 bucks, like maybe. Um, but to me, I was like, woo at the time, because that was, you know, amazing. That's big um, money when you come, when you're starting from nothing, you know, Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy oh, yeah. because people won't work for free now and they don't have the support or maybe they just don't mm -hmm. want to whatever. A lot of different reasons. Um, but when it's you started the way that you so. started, like how you started, you, it's purely the grind. hundred percent. You had to go. Grind. I literally would walk up to people and be like, hi, my name's Ashley. I'd really love to do your hair sometime. Hand her a card. If a girl had purple hair, I'd be like, oh my God, I love the purple in your hair. The salon I work at just got a new purple in. I'd really love to try it on you sometime and hand her a card. Complete line of bullshit. We didn't have a new purple in. But like I did whatever I could to talk to anybody. I would dye my hair fun colors. I was tattooed. So like people would, you know, I would try to get my friends in. Like I was, I did, I put in work, like work. There was my space then, but like, you know what I mean? Like there was no Facebook we had, but like, it was more, it wasn't like, uh, now, like there were, it's, it, it was like Facebook asked you how you're feeling today. And like, you typed it in and that was it. It was, it was not like a networking situation. So I remember being there and right around the time I left, like right before I left, Instagram had just popped off as like, it was an app, a thing to share pictures. And I was like, oh, cool. So maybe it's kind of like a digital portfolio, which I, I was, was super familiar with. Because I, yeah, I was super familiar with because I had a actual leather binded, beautiful portfolio of professional images from these um, photographers that I had done work with in the city and like over Connecticut when I was in that gray area of not being licensed. So I was like, oh, cool. So maybe this is just like a digital one of that. And, you know, I'd post like a picture of my dog. Selfies weren't a thing yet. Um, you know, I was doing this kind of stuff. So I was like, cool, I'll do that. And, um, I was like, all right, maybe I'll just post pictures of like what I'm doing. Like, I mean, right. That's a portfolio. I mean, I can reflect back on it later, like whatever. So I started taking pictures of what I was doing, still concerned. And I remember the guy that I was dating, <clears throat> I had a really bad breakup from a super abusive alcoholic that I was dating. Um, one of the, one of the many reasons why I don't drink at all, because I hate what alcohol does to people. You don't drink Sorry. either? I haven't drank anything in like... 
oh my god probably since then like 2009 eight like I, uh maybe even longer than that i don't even count it because i'm not sober i just choose not to drink well that's um, great yeah i just don't like it uh, i don't like it i was straight edge for a really long time like like because i dated a straight edge guy and i was like dude this is great straight edge is like you don't drink you don't smoke you do nothing and it's and honestly like the easiest way and I still kind of, I default towards that sometimes at industry events because everybody loves to party and, you know, so many connections are made when you're drinking and like blowing lines together. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not me. So it stunted my growth in my career a hundred percent because I don't go out and party at trade shows afterwards. We were talking um, about so, this on Clubhouse. If I can just say, we were talking no, about please. this on Clubhouse and saying uh, there was a room called sobriety in the beauty industry or addiction awesome. in the Love beauty that. industry. And I was sharing, I'm in early recovery. So I've been sober for almost six months now. And that's amazing. I, Good for you. Thank you. I was just having a lot of struggles with marijuana specifically. Like yeah. I was utilizing it like compulsively. Like mm -hmm. I had my, my card and I was spending like hundreds and hundreds of dollars per week. I was yeah. taking pills. Um, and I was just compulsive. Like it, it yeah. was like totally numbing and I know it has its place for some people and I would never judge anybody. Like I of totally course. would never judge anybody for drinking right. anything, but this room was great. And it was a bunch of people in there and Brit Siva was in there talking. I don't know if you know her, but she was talking about, cause she's putting on industry events and she's like, well, how can I make everybody feel included? And it's a good question because at all of the events I've made some great connections, but I was fucked up. And then the next exactly. day it's like, you, you have like 30% of who you truly are to offer at an important event. Right. And, you right. know, I think that it's huge. And if I, if we ever go to an event where we're together, like I'd love to hang out with you and create a Hell yeah. environment because honestly, like we are better when we're clear, like we're more yes. ourselves, like we don't have to numb yeah. it all. And I think that it's because it's being brought up now, I think that our industry yeah. is going to change. And I think 100%. that people like you and I or like leaders in the industry, and I know you're not completely sober, you, do, you just choose not to drink. Yeah, but like even people who make it okay to not yeah. oh yeah these hard drugs and like eat a, a little cleaner life do you know right and i think i like love that whole topic think it's amazing i could go on for hours about it i just i i bartended for a long time i've dated people that were heroin addicts and i didn't know it and i've dated people that were alcoholics like people that you know and i don't judge anybody for it like everybody has advice i get it I used to drink and you know what? I was really fucking good at it. Like really good at it. So it was to the point where I literally watched the people that I was dating, my friends around me and I was like, hold up. If I continue to drink like this, I am gonna continue to one up myself because that's the type of person that I am. I am full throttle, full send, like let's fucking go that's how i live my life so like if i do something my uncle literally calls me full ass ashley because he's like you don't do anything half ass if you're doing it it's all fucking in like you're doing it got one tattoo look at me now like that's just what happened so i knew that if i kept drinking i was gonna i was good at it and i was just gonna become like i was gonna start hurting people the way i was hurt by alcoholics it was gonna turn into other drugs i would have been dead homeless like it would have been a bad day and I pumped the brakes caught myself it was a blessing that I was dating somebody that was so bad that I was like whoa I don't want to turn into that like that's terrifying some people are put into our life by God as mirrors totally yeah. 100%, totally. 100%. Mm -hmm. as, 100%. like sometimes he puts people in your life he, they, universe, whoever the fuck yep. you believe in yep. they will put people directly in front of you and be like look at yourself yeah 
I've lived it. Like I've, I think you have too. I've a hundred percent lived that. And I literally have looked at it and been like, whoa, I don't regret that relationship at all. Cause it was a lesson I learned from it and I'm a better person because of it, like whatever. But I think it put a lot into perspective for me. And I was just like, whoa, like I can't, I don't even know how we start talking about, I don't drink, but, um, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I, this is nope. I was, oh, that's right. I was getting out of a really bad relationship. Um, from an alcoholic, I had like moved out cause my five years of living in my mom's uh, condo were gone. So I had lived with this guy. I lived with him for 45 days. It went to shit. It was really scary. I left. I was living in like the ghetto in a shitty studio apartment, living paycheck to paycheck, working at the salon. And I started dating this guy um, who, side note, turned out to be the worst relationship of my entire life. And like, still I have like PTSD from it and would probably hit him with my car if I saw him somewhere. Like full disclosure, like lock me the fuck up, don't care. I would run over him, put a reverse back up, and then maybe go forward again. Um, but we all have that one X. <laughs> hope you're hope he's listening to this. We kid. all have that one um, X. We all. Uh, some people have more than one. So he did. He was like, "Wait a second. I don't understand why you're giving this girl so much money." Da-da-da-da. And I was like, "Look, it costs more money to be out on your own. Like, I don't want that. Like, I'm good. I wanted to be the salon diva. That was my goal in fucking life." I wanted to come in, do my clients, leave and go back home. I wanted to make as much money, if not more than the owner. I wanted to be like right up there with her or him, but not have to deal with any of the other stuff. Like I wanted to just like walk in there like a fucking boss ass bitch, get it the fuck done and go home. I was like, yes, that's what I want. Um, and I didn't get that where I was at because I was like, something's going on. I have a feeling the salon's gonna close. This is not good. I gotta get out. Long story short, she was having an affair. I found that out and was like, yep, I'm out. I left. I can relate. This shit happened to me too. Like the like, oh my God, we have a lot of weird shit in common because I was working with this salon. I'm gonna keep this 10 seconds. I was working at the salon and she was like so I helped her build the salon. I spent so much money and cause she ran out of, ran out of money and she started acting so weird and she was having an affair. Oh my God. And like everything mm-hmm. went to shit after that, after she got caught, everything went to complete shit. Anyways. Okay. My, no, wait, bye. no, no. Amazing. Mind you, I'm a serial monogamous, like 110%. I'm literally blind because I'm married to somebody. So I'm like, what? My friends are like, that guy's hitting on you. I'm like, what? what? Like, I just, I don't, that's not my bag. Not what I do. Sorry. Um, I literally have like been in relationships that were going to shit and like called him and be like, you know what? This isn't going to work. Hung up, then gone to talk to another dude. Like I am very like, no, that's not how it works. So I don't, I end up like cutting people out of my life. Like when my girlfriend's like, so I've kind of been talking to this other guy, even though I'm married, I'm like, bitch, reel the fuck in. No, not into it. And I'm like, I'm not, that's not okay. I've been cheated on enough that I can tell you, like, I will not tolerate those type of people in my life, period. Yeah. So here with my boss. Yeah, you're not the one to like vent to about your cheating struggles. Yeah, no, I don't care. Sorry, you did this to you. So here was my boss and I remember I didn't believe it because the girl who worked with me, who was friends with me, but she was closer with the boss because they drank together and I didn't, had told me about it. And I was like, no. And she's like, yeah, dude, that's why she's acting weird. And then I was like, I have a feeling that that's why the money is a little like, she's writing herself, I feel like more to pay than she should be. Not my business, don't whatever. But I was like, I don't know, something's off. I was like, the second people stop caring about a business as an employee, the business is going to close. The second the salon is not 
kept up the way it's supposed to. Tabitha Coffee says it best, and I can't verbatim, but she's like, the second you walk into a place and the employees don't care, the business is going downhill. So here I was working at a place where the owner's customer service skills, she didn't really seem to care. She was preoccupied because the only time she could talk to her boyfriend was when she was at work instead of we're at home with her husband. So I was like, oh my God. And I had that like epiphany because I would reread Tabitha Coffee's books like you wouldn't believe. I still have never met her. And if I did, I would probably fall the fuck over. Um, but so I was like, I got to go. I had told my, my boyfriend this. Vomiting my mouth saying that out loud. Um, and he was like, yeah, nope, get out. He was also claimed to be the same stereotype of monogamous. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. Um, and... I was like, I gotta go, like, I gotta get out because the last straw for me was one night. She was like, hey, can you just not post anything online or Instagram for a little bit? Because I told I told my husband that I'm going out to, um, and I'm, I'm not. And I was like, uh, okay, where are you going? And she told me where she was going. And I was like, oh my God, the other girl that I work with was right. She's definitely cheating and having an affair. Oh my God. And so I was like, I, uh, huh, I didn't feel comfortable lying for her, but what was I going to say? It's my fucking boss. I can't be like, I'm not lying for you. Cause then what, is she going to fire me? Like I was paranoid. So I was just like, okay. So toxic. That is so like, so no boundaries, toxic, not okay. Yeah. Like that has nothing to like, do with okay. work. And like, you're not there to be paid to like deal yeah. with someone's personal shit. Yeah. So uncomfortable. So I was like, okay. And then I was like, I'm going to leave. She was, she was not the kindest of bosses. There were times where she would like belittle you in front of a client and like try to like put you, I think she was just a little bit jealous of us younger girls and like the cool stuff that we were able to do because a lot of her clients were older. Um, and then, so I, I was like, I'm going to leave. And I had every duck in a row. I was like, I'm going to go to another salon. And I started looking for other salons and there was just nowhere that I felt comfortable that like I fit in. I didn't want to be the weird girl. Like I didn't want to. And Salon wanted you to be the weird tattooed girl that worked there. And I was like, I don't know. I want to be somewhere that's like, I feel comfortable creating my art on people and that my clients barely had any, but would be welcoming. And I found this like small salon studio space that was, it was like a thousand dollars a month for like literally like half the size of like a Sola, like, ha like so small. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't think I should do this. Like I was so nervous. Didn't think it was a good idea. I was like, I don't have enough clients. And I remember my, um, the guy I was dating was like, listen, like break it down. It's $250 a week. He's like, I will literally cover the rest of your bills. If I have to like, don't pay me rent. I moved in with him instead of living in the studio apartment, which mind you was over an hour away from this studio space. And he's like, if you can't make it, so the rent was like $300, $400 instead of the eight that I was paying. He's like, if you can't pay it, I'll cover it. But like, I, you, I think you can do this. Like it's $250 a week. That's like five or six haircuts for what you were charging. Like who cares? And I was like, okay, so nervous. Um, I, you know, did it all and set it all up and got everything ready to go. Cause I knew the second I told her that I was leaving, it would be nasty and mean and I needed to make sure that I was mentally strong enough for that. I was 100% correct. I handed her a formal letter of resignation and she like was like, well, where are you going? I said, I'm gonna open up a studio, my own salon. She's like, that's not a salon. You're just renting a room. And it was very toxic and very um, bad. And then it was like the battle to call your clients. I didn't have a contract or anything with her at all. Um, but you know, I literally, 
got in the parking lot. I sent out an email on my phone. I had it all ready to go. I got into the parking lot. My hands were like shaking. And I called my first client for the next, not the next day because I was off, but like the, the day after. And she was like, hey, I saw you just call me from the salon. And I was like, oh my God, she's that quick at already calling people. And I was like, no, I actually just left. She's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't answer. I said, no, like, like I'm not working there anymore. I'm opening on my own. And I was so nervous that no one was going to follow me, but every single person did. And they were so excited and to learn after the fact that they were like, yeah, it was not a good environment in there. Like something was off, like we were, you know, and I literally crushed it. Like I didn't even know what to do. She was slandering my name. Fun fact still is to this day. Um, and I, that was uh, 10 years ago. And I was like, oh my God, like what? And so it was so busy at, at my little studio that I had like three people sitting in the hallway on folding chairs, processing my own little, little room that after five months I expanded and took a double across the hall. My mom would come in every three days and wash the giant tub of dirty bowls that I had. Like she was my assistant. Um, and it just snowballed. And then I started looking for bigger spaces five months after that. So I was like just over a year into opening a business that I didn't want, that was not my goal. It was literally just like, fuck, I need a place to go. And now I was like, I need a bigger place because I have like people sitting everywhere like this. What the fuck am I going to do? Um, side note, I moved. I was like, I'm going to take a picture of every single hair I do and just post it. And I would post on my Instagram like one every single hour. And I that's just what I did when I was in hair school. They called me red because they could the owner could never remember my name. There were three Ashleys. I had short red hair. So Red Hot came from that. And that just, I was like, oh, Instagram, we just make up whatever name you want. I don't really have a nickname. That's it. And that was it. It just stuck. And I um, just posted, like, I literally was like, look at this cool haircut I did today. And it was like, super fun maroon color. The photos were trash. The work was subpar at best. Like, you know, bad lit yellow lighting, like photo from an but iPhone, like, too. <laughs> you know what though? And my friend said this to me today and he was just like, Oh, I was at the bar yesterday and I met this girl and, um, she did hair and I was like, Oh, my friend does hair. And he was like, she was like, who? And he's like, Gina Bianca. And he's, she's like, Oh, I know Gina. And I feel like the reason people in Connecticut all around and Silas know is because I made myself one of the authorities of hair by letting people know I fucking do hair. And like, sometimes all you have to do is post, post, post. Uh -huh. When they think of hair, they're going to think of you. Like, I love 100%. that you shared I that. I love that you shared that you posted every hour. That's just what you did. At the end of the day, like there's different ways you can market today. This is 10 years ago, right? But you know, yeah. the fact that you have to put it out there and like when people, yeah. how can you, so a, a, a question people always ask is how do I get more clients? Another question they could ask is, how can I make it so that when people in this area think of hair, they think of me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, I love that. It just made me think there, of it yeah. a little different. And, and I can relate because I, I would always post on Facebook. And 09 yeah. is when I started posting on Facebook. And then Instagram, yeah. I would post tons of hair. And it's so cool because I can go back on my and um, look at it yeah i love just, when the memories come up and it tells yeah. you and you can just most of the time evolution. i'm like ew look at yeah. that oh yeah well my work was <laughs> wow, trash, trash in the beginning it was <laughs> yeah. trash but guess what i was the only one posting it so i didn't have anything to compare it to exactly and i think 
I, for me, it was cool because I just did it. Like I was like, took a haircut, posted it, took it. And then I started to get people that would text me and be like, hey, I saw this that you did, I want this. Hey, I saw this post that you did, I want And I was like, oh, cool. And so I, it started snowballing. And at the time I was still dating this manipulative, terrible human. So he had put into my head that he's like, well, if you're gonna get a lot of followers if you post what you look like, because you're a pretty tattooed girl. And like guys are scumbags and they're into that. So like, you shouldn't post your face at all ever. And I was like, Okay, I shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. I'm never gonna post what I look like on the internet. Cool. Yeah, never doing it. AKA so I never did. It's like the number one thing you should do. Right. Ready? This is insane. So then I got to the point where I was like, all right, I was, I was doing a ton of barbering as well as um, women's hair, like a lot. I was going to barbering events, doing all this stuff, and we went to one barbering event where I was cutting here in Long Island. It was the first one I ever went to. My ex, as controlling as he was, of course, came to every event I went to and carried my case around behind me to make sure no one would talk to me like, get over yourself, bye. So I got invited to this event in Long Island. It was the first one. I was so excited. I was doing a ton of like traditional haircuts when they when the pompadour haircuts first popped off. Like I was the only one in Connecticut doing those type of men's grooming haircuts. Like that was it. Then I started teaching them to people teaching hairdressers how to do that because like in hair school let's be real they teach you how to put a two guard on a clipper and go straight up the side of the head and tell you i couldn't even clipper. use clippers leaving school right sorry yeah so it's like that, that's all they tell you so i went to this event and i remember getting there and this we were walking in and this guy came up to the guy i was dating who was holding my barbering case and was like hey dude so like are you a barber are you here for the show and he was like no she's the barber and they were like so put off like a i was a girl so weird b and like, bear with me, but I was white. Um, and I was at a very ethnic event. And they were like, who the fuck? It was like, Wah! like, I walked in there like, what the fuck? Which of course then I'm like, fuck, I hope I can do this. Um, and that was the beginning of me learning. Like I did a haircut the way I did it, which was not the way they would normally do it. And I was like surrounded by these like, like terrifying hood, like ghetto dudes that were like, yo, your shit is bomb. Why do you do that? And I was like, what? I don't know. This is just what I do. And so it was super cool. But after that, I was like, yo, like I had just hit 10,000 followers. It was like, I don't know what year it was, <sighs> whatever, who cares? But I was, could not believe. And I was like, you know what? I was like, that's it. I made it to 10K. The people that are following me are not following me for tits and ass. They're following me for fucking hair. So like, here's my face. Let's fucking go. Because nothing makes me more angry than the people that are like, um, here's me spinning around a stripper pole. Here's my cleavage. Here's me twerking. Oh yeah, here's a haircut. Okay, those people know, don't know you for cutting hair. They know you for your titties. And that's cool. If that's what you want to be known for, fucking pop off, get it. But like, don't then complain that you don't have enough clients. I totally like, just agree don't. with you. Just and don't. You know, when I see young women and men and I don't, want to I, I want to empower women and I think it's great however for me I want to be known for my brain and my intelligence and like those things first and if I end up being yeah. a model after I lose another 50 pounds this year um you know I just don't know if I'd put it out there into the professional world unless it was like a professional a photo shoot for like sports illustrated yep. Yep. or something but like not on my i don't know do you know what i mean I, and i'm not putting uh, anybody yeah down, i i but like thousand percent know what you mean and you know what it's a mental health thing too because some people need to do that and some people don't like some people need to and that's cool i applaud that um but i'm like i just needed to prove to myself that 
the reason people were following me was because of that. And I honestly am going to blame my dad on that one because he had made a comment. And I hate that they, your parents say certain shit and it fucking just sticks to you even when you don't want it to. I remember I was at his office. He's an architect and I was walking around outside with him and there was like a lot of construction worker guys there. Now, mind you, we live in Connecticut. I am almost six feet tall. I'm heavily tattooed. And I think at the time my hair was hot pink. I look like a fucking moving cartoon character. Most people have not seen people that look like me unless they've looked at the internet. Like they see it on the internet, but when they see it in person, they're like, holy shit, like they do exist. Like that's literally what happens. And I don't care. It is what it is. It's, I did this not for that, but I did it for me and it's part of it. But so my dad doesn't really get that. And I remember we were there and like, Somehow, like people were, a lot of the guys were staring and I was like, oh, and just kind of stayed near my dad. And I'm like, we're at like a construction site. And he said something, um, he said something along the lines of like, I was like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of like barbering. I should hand him my card or something like that. And he, I was like, yeah, I have, he's like, well, what do you think the percentage of your male clientele is? I was like, I don't really know. I think it's probably like 40 or 50%, like, you know, male clientele, um, and I was like, you know, I'm getting really busy with men's cuts. And he literally was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's because you're really pretty. And I literally stopped dead in my tracks and I looked at him dead in the face and I said, no, it's because I'm good. And he was like, well, I'm sure they also come because you're pretty. I go, no, they just learned what my face looked like five minutes ago. I used to have people walk into the shop and be like, I was like, hi, I'm actually, they were like, oh. How we expected, they were like, okay. And then would sit down. like. That was just, you know, but I well, remember I him saying that and was like, what? I think that there are beautiful women and beautiful people out there and it's okay to put it out there. I would never want to make anyone feel bad for that. But like, I really think it's like to be known for your talent, to be a goal and yeah, to, 100%. to put, put the work into your talent and that. Right. That, and if you're hot, fucking show it off. Go ahead. But that literally. should be a bonus, not your main fucking. Totally. You know, totally. Yeah, and I love I love that, and I love that whole. I love your story. I just love it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I posted a photo for my thirty sixth birthday when I said that out loud, like last month, and I was like, I went back and forth about it for the longest time, and I was like, look at this photo, like my midriff is showing, like no cleavage, no ass, nothing, but like you know, there's like this six inches of my stomach showing. Like, should I post this? Like, this is me. I'm like, am I too old to post this? Like, I can't post this. I was like. But I look really fucking good. Like my you girlfriend takes photos and I'm like, maybe I should post this. I was like, I kill myself at the gym. I should post it. So I asked my um, assistant, fucking blow dry king, bestie, whatever you want to call him. And I'm like, Anthony, should I post this? He was like, bitch, if you don't fucking post that, he was like, goodbye. You need to break the internet. He's like, look at you. He's like, you look incredible. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it. Because like if a gay man tells you you need to do something, you just fucking do it. So I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> and um, yeah, you look great. Yeah, but I'm like, but I'm not, I'm like the opposite of that person. So I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, but then, so I built out the salon I have. Um, or we moved from my two person studio. I started looking at spaces and I found a space by accident because it was listed as like medical instead of like retail space and salon, as you know, fits in that like gray area where we can kind of fit into anywhere as long as it's up to code. And <clears throat> I looked at the picture and I was like, what? I was like, I know that place. Hold on a second. And 
then I drove there and it was right. So when I was a little kid and I vividly remember being like eight or nine years old, my parents had just gotten divorced. My mom took me to where she went to get her hair done. Coincidentally, it was also where my dad went. Um, it was a salon. It was owned by this man named Gary and Sharon Styles was her name. I don't know if that's her real name. Don't care. Sharon Styles. still talk to her, still know her to this day. She's the fucking greatest. She would cut my hair. She cut my mom's hair. She cut my hair and I remember, I remember, I can tell you how, how the salon smelled. I remember how the door squeaked when you opened it and those horrible books that I looked at all the haircuts through that were like ginormous size of a huge menu, like huge books. And I remember sitting in her chair. I can tell you where it was in the salon. I sat there and I remember her cutting it. I watched every move. It was so fascinating to me. And then she blow dried it. I remember how good the shampoo smelled. Like she blow dried it. And I remember being like, oh my God. Like I never had felt that type of pretty. I was so empowered through the beauty that she had just given me. I was like, oh my God. I was like, she's magic. She's like a wizard. She's like this magical power to make people feel good about themselves by doing my hair. I'm like, this is crazy. I was like, I want to do that. And so that was when my like super, like that was my aha moment of fascination between that. So the space that that salon was in, in 1990, whatever, eighties and nineties, it was like the it salon in town. That space was for lease and marketed under medical. So when I expanded from a studio and built my first, you know, real brick and mortar that was mine, I built it in the place that I first had that aha, I love oh. moment. <laughs> Literally like the Gina, the door squeaked, went there, the hallway, I'm getting the chills. The hallway smelled the same, the stairs smelled the same. The realtor came with me and opened the door and like my eyes got wet. Like it made the same squeak it smelled exactly the same. And I was like, I don't care if this is an old building and it needs to be gutted. Like, yes, 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 this is it, yes. And I took my dad there and he was like, oh my God, it looks the same. Cause he went there. And so that was our salon home for like five years until we outgrew the space. And when we outgrew the space, um, we moved three miles down the road to Southbury and I built out uh, more than double the space of that initial salon. And it was a very bittersweet moment that my business grew. I had my first employee there and you know, it was just, it was just crazy in such a full circle moment to be in the, my hometown that I grew up in, in the salon that I fell in love with Heron and now I own it. And I have a salon where little girls can come and fall in love with how they look there. Like it was just super the same type of like universe situation where I was like, this is meant to be. It was the same, like, you know, self love that calling me. And I was like, Nope, sorry, this was meant to be. So I definitely just kind of trust the process. And that's something that I tell people in hair and in life all the time is you just have to trust the process. It doesn't mean sit on your ass and don't do anything. It means get up, bust your ass and trust whatever you have to do to get there. So I think now we've built out and now we have like 3,400 square feet. Um, in a beautiful space in Southbury that we love. I don't ever want to move if I don't have to. You know, the build out was a literal nightmare. It was nine months of my life, um, but it was, it's our home. And the amount of gr organic growth that's happened to the business. I mean, I remember when I first opened, I was like, I just want to have my business longer than my boss did. Side note, six months after I left to open up my studio, her, she texted me to offer me to buy the shop and then, it closed. Um, 
no, I'm not psychic. I just read the room, literally. So I remember um, like the organic growth, which is like you had another employee that wanted to come, then another one that wanted to come, and another one that come. And I, my original goal was like, I just want to make it five years because that was a little bit longer. That was how long she had hers. So I was like, five years, five years and I can do it. Then five years came and gone like that. So and fast. then I was like, what? Uh, okay, all right. And then we just did, I think it was eight. Like we just had just, January was eight years. Um, and I'm literally like, I say that and I'm like, oh, and because if anybody gets it, it's you, you literally pour your life into that. It is my child. Like it is everything I, it, it is, I, I'm nothing without it. Like I tell people all the time, they're like, oh yeah, well, you're great. You know, you want a business, you do this, you do that. I'm like, look, I'm like, I just do hair. Okay. I was like, I just do hair. I'm just a girl with a license standing behind a chair without a client or an employee. I'm nothing. Like, it's not about me. It's, it's not at the end of the day, it's about the client and the employee that make the space. Cause cool. Yeah. The space is cool, but it, what am I going to do with all this space? Just stand there by myself, like do some cartwheels. Like that's weird. <laughs> so I think it's, I have stayed very like grounded and I'm extremely blessed. It doesn't go without saying that myself as well as my staff have busted my ass. I've learned, I've fucked up a lot. I've, you know, it's not, I've gotten up, you know, 15 times um, and just continued, I think being as hard headed as I am. And I'm very like, okay, what's next? Better, faster, stronger, better, more, better, more. Let's go better. How do I get it better? How do I get it better? I'll do a haircut or a color. And I literally look at it and I, it could be the greatest fucking thing I've ever done. And I look at it and go, all right, how can I make that better next time? Like there is no, there is no, that's it. I don't I was do talking to, the mediocre. Like yeah. I'm constantly trying to one up myself. I can't help it. I love that. And you know, I think I was talking to one of my friends on here, Danielle Fusco. Danielle does hair. I just did uh -huh. an interview with her. Do you follow her? She's cool. I think I do. Yeah. It sounds she's really, she's really, I'm cool. the worst with names. Um, Danielle does hair as her handle. She's really cool. And she was saying like, she was telling me her story and talking about her growth, but something she said is like, you know, her eye got, gets better. And like, she can mm -hmm. look back in her work and just like her eye of like, yeah. like what you said, like when you look and you're constantly like, how can I improve that? I think that's, I love that you said that because it just like sparked my interest of like how, cause I, when she said like my eye got better, sometimes people don't have that, like the eye for it. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you train that? And looking at everything and you don't have to like, hate your work or anything or, or make it so critical to yourself but even looking and just be like well how can I make it better or what could I have yeah. done that trains your eye and to be able to spot it some people will see something and then they just like look away you have to stare at it you know I'll yeah, see a bleed I, mark on my totally. foils and I and when my my girl's filming me all the time when I do hair and when I pull the foils if I see a bleed mark I point at it for like yeah. four seconds yeah and I stare at it and she stares yep. at it and the camera stares at it and then we fix it <laughs> Yeah. But there's no That's like it. pretending it's not there. No, it, you can't. It happens. I think there's, I don't know. I think it's always being like a one upper and always trying to challenge it, but just like a chef, like a really great chef that doesn't just happen. You have to try it literally to improve your palate. You have to try things. So to be a better hairdresser, you have to try things. Like even when you're scared of it, like I was scared to go to hair school. Yeah, I'm good. So you have to literally try things. I think that when you're scared, fear is the best place to grow like a hundred and ten percent. Um, I think I, I thrive off being scared. I think 
those moments when I'm like utterly terrified are the moments that make me feel most alive and the moments I feel more most like myself, which most people don't understand. And that's okay. Well, it's but. a gift. It's a it's a huge gift because those who are fearless and courageous and who look at uncertainty and variety and change and challenges as a gift of growth, yeah. which it, it is, but it takes courage. Yeah, but please, please best believe I am far from fearless. I'm fucking terrified of a lot of things. But well, that's not what mean, it is. Courage it's, doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means you're afraid, but you do it anyway. Right, exactly. So for me, I think it's a big mental, like, mind fuck. Like, I skydive for sports. Like, for fun. I have my own rigs. I throw myself out of an airplane. Done it 101 times. By myself. Hold my own parachute. Save my own life. Like, that's what I do. People think it's fucking insane. They don't understand it. Tony They're like, well, aren't you still scared? I'm like, yes, every single fucking time I'm in the door of an airplane wearing my rig, I am utterly fucking terrified. Tony the second Robbins the plane says, takes uh, off. He says that the amount of beauty in your life is directly in proportion to the amount of uncertainty you're willing to tolerate. And you're literally training the fucking muscle. Yes, yes. Your brain is a fucking muscle. You can, you can will, so... When you're in that plane, just so that people can understand, like, you're terrified. I've, I've done it. It's, it. it's like, scary as hell. Oh my God. But I'm literally standing, sitting there the entire time. You have to, when you get in the door and like, you're not tandem attached to somebody and like, you're, you have to do it. You have to leave the door. There's people behind you ready to go. Like, you gotta go. And I can tell you that there are times, the way up there, I'm deep breathing, I'm talking myself off the ledge, I'm forcing myself to smile because it releases endorphins that make you happier, because that's what my mother's told me since I was a kid. You're literally like fake smiling and like, ha ha ha, in your helmet while you're like literally internally panicking. You're sweating, like every ounce of your being and your body is going, nope, 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 hard fucking no, nope, nope, nope. And do you know what you do? You stand the fuck up and you put one foot in front of the other and you get in the door and you look back at your friends, you smile and you jump. You physically will your brain to do something that it does not want to do. And the second you leave that door, it is utter fucking bliss. Not just because of how great it is, but because you are stronger than your thoughts. Like, period. Like I can make myself do something that my body's terrified to do. And that's when you have the most growth. Like it's literally, it, it's just so nuts. Do you go in Connecticut and Enfield? Uh, nope. I've never been to the one in Enfield because I used to live closer to the one in, one in New York. So it's by New Paltz, New York, right? Can I go But I actually, yeah, please. I go a lot. I can tandem though, right? Not to me. You no, 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 no. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I took one of my girls and because she always wanted to go. She's like, I want to go. I want to go. I said, okay. Um, and I prepped them, but I think like to kind of explain it to them, but to watch, and I'm like not going to get emotional. I'm really going to try not to, but to watch how her doing that, like some of my girls are literally like my kids or little sis. Like I just, I love them. And to watch how her doing that changed her life was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because I, the, I didn't jump. My cousin 
is a professional skydiver. He worked for the United States Parachute Association and he lived in Florida in Deland, which is the skydiving capital of the United States. Um, it's like kind of where it was invented or whatever. So I was going to premiere Orlando to work the show. 2000, oh God, who cares? 15, 16, whatever it was. And I had just ended that crazy, psychopathic, manipulative, narcissistic relationship that lasted like four to five years of that terrible human that I had run over. And when I I was like, okay, well, it had just ended. I had to go to the show. I couldn't move out of the house we lived in yet. It was awkward. I went to Florida. I called my cousin on the way there. And he, I mean, we grew up like brothers. He, um, brothers, yeah. I grew up with him like my brother. And I called him and I was like, hey, so like, if I wanted to skydive, could you like make that happen? And he was like, yes, it's done. I'll see you when you got off the plane. And I landed in Orlando after like sobbing. My life was falling apart. I was like a disaster. Thought it was the end of the world. And I went there and I remember seeing him and he looked at me and I have the video, it's on YouTube, my video of my first tandem jump. And I watch it every once in a while. And he literally looks at me and goes, this is gonna change your fucking life. And I was like, yeah, huh? as I'm really like, yeah, yeah, buddy, whatever, shut up. Like, you don't know me, no way. Um, and I was just like, okay. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Like I literally had no idea what he was talking about, but I was like, all right, sure. And I remember standing there in the room, like getting ready and waiting for, um, Bob, the guy to come in who I was going to tandem with. Um, and I'm looking at this poster and it literally says like, those who fly know, and those who don't will never understand. And I was just like, yeah, right, whatever, because I didn't understand. And I was talking it up as like, yeah, this is just like some adrenaline based thing that I'm gonna do. I'm an adrenaline junkie, this will be fun, whatever. And we went in to the, um, like the guy comes in and he's like this zend out, like he's like, hey, what's up Ash, I'm Bob, nice to meet you. So we're gonna go up 13,500 feet. You're gonna be strapped in front of me. You're basically just wearing me, I'm the guy and I'm wearing a parachute. Good, I'm like, yeah. You know, when he was super like mellow that I was like, yeah, I'm not even scared. Like, this is gonna be sick. And I wasn't. And I was just like, okay, cool. My life is fucking shit right now anyway. I don't care what happens, like whatever. L literally didn't care. And got on the plane and they were like, how high are you? Are you nervous? And I'm like, no, like whatever. And there is a photo that I have downstairs in my house that is blown up, like, like big. And on this, it is a picture of Bob holding the door like this, me on, you know, on his little like baby carrier pack in front of him. And he's leaning out and it was the first time my head has ever been out of an airplane. So it was the first time I saw the sky at that place. And the look on my face is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It is the childlike wonder and how at peace I was in that moment. He hadn't even left the plane yet. And I'm just like looking at it with like the, the largest eyes you've ever seen. I was just like, this is what, where am I? Um, and to watch the video. And I remember that, you know, the feeling is something you'll never be able to describe as you know. And I mean, I landed and my cousin was so excited and it was super emotional. And I like literally looked at him and I was just like, what? And like, your brain is going like, it is like, I can't, everything hits you as soon as you land. You're like, bah, 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 bah. I was crying when I landed. Oh, yeah. but... The other feeling I got that with was when I swam with the dolphins. I've only done that once, but it was that moment of like pure, 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 like gratitude, wonder, excitement. Like 
like you just can't believe this is happening to you right now like that's exactly how I yeah. felt when I did it and I was scared it, it was I like that's why I, I want to do it again but I just like don't know yeah. where and I, I'm so busy that I just like oh, don't I'll take you it. I'll, take I'll go anytime you go let me know but um yeah, I went I in Vegas and the Scott like th those who fly know those who don't yeah don't it's so true Oh, but I mean, so awesome. it was, it was like one of those things where I landed and literally I looked at him and I just went, this is a problem. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, dude, that is a problem. Like, I was like, this is uh, what, I don't know what just happened, but like, I need to do it again. And I want to do it again now. And because I do everything full throttle, of course I want to do it by myself. And so I booked a flight back down in six months and I learned how to do it six months later by myself and the guy who tandemed me taught me privately for a week to teach me how to do it and I ordered my own rig and I've been doing it ever since so it was just one of those things that for me it during that moment it quiets the noise and I have a lot of trouble quieting my own noise um it's like a meditation and what's that it's like a meditation totally I think for me it was like a I could get to that drop zone and be stressed and panicked and freaking out. And I was worried about this and I was worried about that. And oh my God, how am I gonna pay this bill? And how am I gonna do this? And then the second you leave that door of the plane, nothing matters, nothing. It is a complete and utter brain douche. Nothing fucking matters. And you land and when everything kind of comes back into your head, you're like, yeah, all right, whatever. I don't really care, it's fine. So wow. well, I, mean, I love that story. Oh my God, this is great. Are you it's, having fun? It's good. Yeah. I'm like, I have diarrhea mouth. I'll keep going. No, no, this is so great. And I'm learning so much about you. We have so much in common. We've never gotten to like truly connect. And I just am so glad that. I know. I'm really excited this. that this happened. Yeah. And now I want to know what you're doing now. So you have your salon, Save Your Scissors. You've been in biz for about eight years. You moved around a couple times. Expand, 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 grow, grow, grow. You got a beautiful place in Southbury. And how are you behind the chair a lot? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I work, I work Tuesday through Saturday. Savage. I'm, I'm behind the chair on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Thursday, Monday. Wow. So I just recently, and this is like, as of like a month ago, cut my hours back. I was working nine to nine, Tuesday through Saturday. You're wild. It would, uh, listen, it's not, it's not a good time, but you know what? You do it. I'm also a fitness junkie. So I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, going to the gym, rolling back in the house at like 10 PM, taking a quick little nap and getting up and doing it again. So I, full throttle, here we go. So I recently throttled back my hours a little bit come this year in January, because I was like, okay, I need to continue to go to the gym and for my own mental health. And I can't keep doing it, running these hours. Like every Thursday I was like, crying by the time I got home because I was so burnt out. Like just, you don't even know why you're crying. I'm just like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, you're just so, you're just, oh, it, you can't even form a sentence. You know, it's terrible. So now I work from 11 to nine, which always turns into like 11 to 11, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Thursdays is my admin day. So I've learned that I'm never going to get all the things I need to get done if I don't take time to do it. So Mondays and Thursdays I spend on Zoom calls, doing podcasts, doing, you know, YouTube videos, like stuff like the things that I want to do on my want to do list, but never had time for. That was something that COVID gave me where I was like, look, when I come back, I'm doing admin days. This is what I want to do. Um, and so I do that. And it's also helped me really formulate a program to like boost my staff and motivate them to be 
you know, to see their full potential that I do and push them to be better. Um, and then I'm behind the chair on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, what a bomb. Yeah, it's, it. listen, it's not, it's just what you're going to do. I don't, like, you know, what do you do? And then, so I also, during COVID, um, rolled out a mentor program. So I do one-on-one -on -one mentoring, not for a lot. I only take a, a couple people at a time because I want them to get the most out of it. I don't want to A, spread myself too thin. And I want to make sure that they're getting the undivided attention from me that not only they're paying for, but, the, but they deserve. Um, so I rolled that out um, right after COVID had happened. And I think it's for people like within the industry and outside. Like I have some people outside of the industry that are just female entrepreneurs that were like, look, like, tell me how you did this. Um, and it's mainly talking about like holding them accountable, gassing them up. Let's talk about bills. How can we make your business better? Like, you know, kind of like sometimes you just need somebody like, you know, I have people who do that shit for me. Like you need somebody. So I think that's been really great and super rewarding. And it just makes me so happy to see them like really grow. Um, and I'm in the process of setting up a, there was such a demand for that, like one-on-one -on -one mentoring that I was like, I am one person and I'm not biting off more than I can chew. My salon and my clients are my first priority. So how can I do this and not spread it too thin? So now I'm, we're, I'm in the process of putting together, it should be done in the next like month or so. I just want to make sure it's perfect before it's rolled out. Like a, a monthly membership type mentoring group where it's like a group of stylists we meet and do Zoom calls. So it's the same thing as like the one-on-one -on -one mentoring, just in a different price point and with more people. So it's not as, it's for the stylist that like wants to not feel alone. Like where they're like, oh my God, look, like she had the same problem and she did too. Everything from like formulas to like, have you had this problem to like, how do you work with a brand? To, and I think it would be really good for like booth renters or like that aren't getting the support that they need because not all salons do that or like, the new people that during COVID, a lot of people went out and opened up their own like studio because they just didn't feel safe in the salons that they were at. And like, that's fine, but like, let me help you because you're now coming back after COVID trying to do that, but you don't know what to do with all the business aspect of things. Like you, this is new to you and you're juggling a lot. Um, so I just want to help people to see that. Um, you know, I never took a business loan to do any build outs ever. It was all done with money that we had saved. And I think the way that I break down things as far as like mon money wise and like, okay, well, if it costs this much, this is the goal. Here's how you break it down into weekly, daily appointment based things to save and to achieve the goal. And I think yeah, it's a scary thing when broken down. Yeah. It's, it's key. I love simple. it. Yeah. And there's just a lot of things like that, like little gems that to me and to you feel like common sense to somebody else could be, you know, groundbreaking. So I'm doing a lot of trying to give back to the industry that way because I would have paid every dollar I had to have somebody like that when there I was, was trying nothing. to figure shit out. There was nothing. And it just, um, I mean, there's nothing. There was not literally nothing. You couldn't even get a mentor if you wanted one. So now I want to be able to help other people. Um, you know, we, other than like shadowing opportunities, which I in salon had before, I'd like to bring those back soon because of COVID, you know, it's a little weird. So we got to kind of wait. Um, hopefully once everybody's vaccinated, that won't happen. We'll be able to release those, have those things happen and have events at the salon again and do things. But yeah, so there's that. Um, I've learned that like people kind of want to know about my life outside of hair. Like people are 
they start asking questions and they're like, oh, so like, how did you do this? And oh, what do you do for that? And oh, I want to do that. And tell me how all your Disney hacks, because I'm a Disney nerd and like, tell me. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I started a YouTube channel um, and I decided that I would just talk about like, tell my story and things that work for me and things that I like to do and kind of talk about it on there. I do some of it on Instagram, but I didn't want to like clog my feed with, you know, all my Disney hacks that'll take up half of the feed. So <laughs> I figured, yeah. So I started YouTube. I'm teaching um, a class in April that I'm super excited about because I had a lot of people asking like, hey, are you going to teach any virtual classes? Like, are you going to do any Zoom classes? Are you going to do this, this, this? And I was like, I mean, I mean, if you want one, sure. Like, what do you want to know? And so I literally pulled the audience on Instagram and was like, what do you guys want to learn? And everybody was like, business stuff, business stuff. I want to learn business stuff or men's cutting is what want, what they wanted. And I was like, I mean, I can't do both in the same class. It's a little counterproductive, but I was like, all right, I'll do a business class and tell my story about business-wise, how I made it work and what I did and where I fucked up and what I learned from it and kind of help and give them the school skills and the tools and skill set and mindset to crush it, you know? I so it. I was like, all right, cool. We'll do that. That's but I broadened cool. it. So it's, um, it's empowered, empowered entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Yep. The empowered so entrepreneur. It, yeah. We're doing it for, even if you're not in the hair world, like business is business, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's cool. Cause I have a couple people that were asking me like, Hey, like I don't do hair. I do this, or I'm in the process of starting up this. Can I do it? Hell yeah. You want to sell Rodan and field? Come on down. I don't You want to call that a business too? You're selling it from your living room. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. I'm like, sure. It's still a business. You're a business. If you're selling something or you're opening some type of brick and mortar business and you need to hear somebody's story and what I've learned along the way and kind of like gas you up, let's go. Yeah. I feel like you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most and you need a coach. Yeah. I don't even hang out with five people. <laughs> so I'm an average between my dogs and my cats. Sick. Here we go. And you my said you got a coach. I think I have a two no, I do. and two therapists and like, oh no, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's really important. And I feel like artists who want to make all these big things happen, you need to be around people who are supporting you with that and having a coach and uh, mentors is key. I hope I'm like those people. Honestly, I have, so I have a business coach, Nina, who, you know, who's the, oh. who's the greatest. I just had an I interview with her the other day. I love her. She's You're going to freaking love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. So I've been, I've been hanging out and talking to Nina about business stuff and she's helped me like flip the script and really helped me like, you know, literally when I'm like, is this what we're doing? She's like, yes, bitch, that's what you got to do. So she's the, you know, my like very young mother figure who like hooks me up with stuff and tells me, like talks me off the ledge. That bitch talks me off the ledge when I'm about to like pop off. I'm literally calling her, going, messaging her like, okay, I'm in the bathroom at the salon eating salsa on a five minute break. And this is what's happening. And I'm freaking out. What do I do? And she's like, take a deep breath. You're losing your mind. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Sometimes you just need somebody else that gets it. And when you're the owner, like, what am I going to go lose it on one of my staff? Like, no. So I have her and she's the greatest. Um, and then I have a like terrifying, um, awesome mentor, like life slash business coach Wes Watson do you know who Wes Watson is I don't oh my god so Wes Watson is probably one of my favorite human beings on the planet oh so his story is oh cool his story is incredible 
So he was like, just to sum it up really quickly, he went for, he's probably worth like $2 million, $3 million right now. He went, he got out of the California state penitentiary after doing 10 years, three years ago, three. Now he makes six figures a month. Like he's killing it. And so raw and so authentic. And like me does everything highly caffeinated on level 15 at like a full send. And I just feel like we're some kind of like, like, are you my long lost brother? Like what's up? Because I literally had a call with him today and like the two of us are just on the same vibe all the time. And I just, I adore him. So he, he calls me on my shit from like a personal growth level as well as business when I'm like, well, I don't, he's like, no, fuck that. He's like, you do this, fuck that. So he will push me outside of my comfort zone even farther than I'm comfortable doing. Yeah, he seems um, he is He is terrifying and amazing and his YouTube videos are great. And he literally just coaches people and his YouTube is all about prison stories. He's literally like, yeah, I was in there for 10 years. This is what I did. This is how I did this. This is what we cooked. These are what my tattoos mean. Like he literally is so raw and authentic. And I'm like, hell yeah. And he was the one that pushed me and he was like, no, 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 no. He goes, the shit you told me, you have a fucking story. You need to put that on YouTube. Well, He's I like, love I was like, well, that I you're... watch yours. He goes, yeah. I love that like, you're I telling it yours. on the podcast. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off, but just tell no, me you're fine. here on the podcast is huge too. Like, you know, I yeah. think that starting it and telling it and being open about who you truly are takes, I always say the more real you get, the more unreal it's going to get. Yes. Love that. But I also like, I was, I was like, well, no one wants to hear what I have to say, or maybe I don't want to air it out or I don't want to, but listen, every horrible and amazing thing that's ever happened to me has made me the human being that I am today. And I'm fucking grateful for that. So like, I know that when I read your posts, you know, that are emotional and long or other people's stuff, it fucking hits me. I'm like, I'm like super heightened emotions or whatever. As I get older, it's worse. I'm like crying watching American Idol. But whatever it is that, bitch, don't even laugh. Every fucking Sunday, I'm in my bed in fucking tears. Like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. It's the one talent that I wish I had. I fucking sound like Scuttle from The Little Mermaid when I try to sing, but the people on American Idol are just sending me right to my feels. So, I mean, I love hearing people's stories. You know what I mean? American Idol, I'm there for the story and the songs and the tears. But like reading people's posts, I'm like, this is just, I love it. And there's certain times where I'm like, fuck, that's me. Same. How do I get out of that? How do I push it? So if I can just reach one person with my story that was like, wow, my family never believed in me. Or wow, this happened for me too. Or wow, like, great. Like, just know that like, look, like, I'm doing good, you know? Like, I'm okay. I'm not a poor starving artist. I'm I'm okay. Like, I did my thing. I'm successful. I made it. This is what I wanted to do. I'm still making it. I'm still one-upping myself. There's no end. It doesn't end. So if somebody's out there that is struggling with mental health or with self-image or any of the millions of hundreds of things that I've ever struggled with that I can shed light on, and they're looking up to me like, well, wow, you went through all that and you're here. Cool. And if it just keeps them taking one more step forward, that's all I literally could ever ask for. You're amazing, Ashley. I'm so glad we got to hang out today. I know. Same. This is awesome. I wish you did these like in a studio. So it was like real, but I don't think we can because COVID. I mean, you never know what could happen. I keep saying, I keep manifesting. I want to podcast full time, but who knows what will happen? I think you should. 
I, I mean, it. they've just been I'm great. Here the, for it. the interviews have just been great. Like your story is amazing. And there's so many people who need to hear it. And I've had so I hope. Many incredible interviews, like, like they're always completely different from one another, but it's just an honor to hear your story and to be able to share it. And I'm so grateful that you spent your time here with me today and you guys can follow her at red hot stylist. Is there anything else you want to share before we hop off? No, just thank you so much for letting me hang with you and like talk about all this stuff. I'm so energized. I'm never gonna be able to sleep now. I'm like so excited that we got to like vibe and hang and talk about all this stuff that's happening. Yeah, I, just I love mean, it. I miss I, people. Yeah, I do too. And I'm, I'm just like, I miss so, people. I know. I'm so grateful you shared with all of us so openly and vulnerably. And, you know, it's just awesome that people like you and uh, like the role models and the, the industry are sharing their story. And I hope that if you guys resonate with her, which I'm sure so many of you do, reach out to her, send her a DM. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. yeah send her a DM. She is awesome. Thank you, Ashley, so much. Good luck to you. I will talk to you soon. We're going skydiving together. Sure are. Awesome. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next one.